0: Hey guys, welcome back to the DabbleCo podcast. I am your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. And if you are new here, thank you for hanging with me. I took a little break, um, did not really record anything in December, and we're now into, gosh, mid-January, and I'm just getting back to it. So thanks for sticking with me. Um, Sometimes you just need a break, number one. And number two, sometimes the break is forced upon you. When your podcast company goes under, so it's just here we are. Um, it's been a bit of a doozy, and we just had we've we've had a lot going on um, in our lives, and lots going on at work, and just gosh, kind of needed a break. But one of my favorite things to do is these episodes called Ten Questions, and essentially, if if you're new listening, I put up a question box on my Instagram and let people just put in questions, really about anything and everything. And I'll talk about them. And the questions are sometimes really funny, sometimes really serious. So I kind of try to pick a good variety. And it's just a fun way to connect with y'all and just ramble for a little bit. And y'all keep telling me that you like them, so I'm going to keep doing them. And until you get tired of hearing me answer the randomest questions on earth, then I will be right here. So let's get started. All right. The first question is, do you and Ed talk about medical stuff? I, I love this question. So my husband, Ed, is a physician. He is internal medicine um, by his original training, and then he did some extra training in the emergency room and a research year and all of that. So as a physician and then he um, started his MPH and then kind of helped build this um, global medicine fellowship thing. And so he has that part of his career. And then he was the medical director of the PA program for a little while. And then he started teaching and then he decided he wanted to get his MBA. And Ed is a seven for y'all, those of y'all who do the Enneagram, Ed is a seven of all sevens. Like he is the president of the club of sevens and I'm an eight. So it works great. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All I want in life is control and Ed cannot be controlled. So Ed is a, a man of seriously many trades and talents, but, um, yeah, we talk about medical stuff all the time. Um, it's, it's honestly really one of the things that brought us together and, and one of the things that we enjoy talking about together every now and then, because we are, you know, part owners in a a medical practice and company. So there are some times where we're having like difficult and hard conversations about things really just about the company and the business. And, but overall we, we do talk about medicine and we enjoy it. So of course, he is one of the smartest people that I know. So, as much as I love to argue and be right, that is a, a rare occurrence when we're talking about medical stuff. You know, so I have to be careful there to not let him think that he can be right all the time. Although when it comes to medicine, he typically is right, um, and it's just one of those people too that. He knows a little bit about basically everything on planet Earth. So it's really interesting, except women's health. So, fun fact Ed got a D in his women health rota- women's health rotation. So, when I was pregnant, he would like be throwing stuff out there, like about OBGYN stuff or, or whatever. And I would just have to keep reminding him, You almost failed that rotation. So, this is a time when you do not get to insert your opinion or be right. And he handled that pretty well, pretty well. But yeah, we definitely talk about medical stuff and it's a lot of fun. And we also have loved, which we haven't done in a few years because of kids and then COVID, but um, traveling for medical missions together is is really fun um, for us. So Ed started an organization called One World Health that does, um, they do short-term medical missions, but the, the long-term vision and, and really purpose of the the organization is that they build these self-running sustainable healthcare systems in developing countries so that when the short-term medical trips are not there, these hospitals are, are running with local staff, nurses, doctors, all of that. Um, so those trips were really fun for us to go go on in a really great way to connect with them. You know, then we had two kids and it's really hard to get to a somewhere as far as Africa when you have a little, little kid. So the last time I tried to go back to Uganda, which is one of our top places to go, Evie was about 18 months old. And she got sick right before the trip and it was like, is she that sick? Is she okay? And my parents were coming to keep her and my dad's a pediatrician. So it's like, she'll be, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. She's kind of kept getting sicker and sicker. And anyway, I had to cancel. We had to cancel because she ended up in the hospital with RSV. So it's different going to Central America. just feels a little bit different because you can, you can get there. Like it's accessible. Whereas Africa Holy crap. I mean, you're on a plane, you're traveling for like 24 to 36 hours, depending on how you, you go to get there. And so it's just when our kids were younger and it's, you know, when your kids are little and they can't really verbalize what's going on, they just can get very sick kind of, I and mean, you don't really have great warning. So now the kids are older. We're talking about, um, I think Ed's going to go back this summer. I might go. And then we're talking about taking them. Anyway, that was a little bit of a left turn to the, the question of, do we talk about medical stuff? Yes. Yes, we do. Okay. This question I thought was super interesting. What's the biggest issue in aesthetics right now? Oh my gosh. I loved this question. So gosh, issue is a little bit of a, you could take that word either way. So to me, issue says problem. Um, and so I, the biggest problem that I see right now is, honestly, more of a societal issue too. Like I see all of these women getting the same filler, the same kind of lips, the same kind of cheeks. Um, We saw it with the Kardashians and people getting these BBLs that were ridiculous. And then now they're like getting them taken out. I think we're seeing, going to see the same thing with filler. And it's, what's frustrating too, is that filler in my opinion, really, you shouldn't look at someone and be able to say like, oh gosh, your filler looks really good. Like you shouldn't notice that it's, it's there, but with this, they call it the Instagram face, honestly, with the the rise of the Instagram face and everybody wanting the same lips and cheeks and, and, you know, snatched jawline and all these things that the kids are saying, um, you know, everybody's starting to look the same. And uh, I think that's really sad and I, and I don't love it. So with, with my patients, my results are, are typically very, very natural, unless it's something that patients specifically asks for, like a bigger lip. And honestly, I typically will tell those patients, like, I'm probably not the right injector for you, because that's not really what I typically do. Um, now, if you're talking issue like what's the big new thing and what's kind of going on, what's changing in the landscape right now, I would say it's the... Uh, new product, new neuromodulator on the market called Daxify. So Daxify is a longer acting neurotoxin. Neurotoxin, you think of Botox, and Ju- uh, Juvo, and Dysport. So it's a longer acting neurotoxin, but it's going to cost more. And we don't really know what that longer acting is going to look like in terms of real world outcomes. So they're, they're doing a thing. It's kind of interesting where they're rolling it out to different practices. And so it's going to take a little bit of time for everybody in the industry to kind of figure out what this product looks like in their practice. It's, it's not going to be for everybody one because of the cost. And then honestly, just, we just kind of have to see, but with that coming out, I think we are going to see patients wanting longer results with their regular neurotoxin. We're going to be kind of competing with Daxify, which is fine. But on on our end as injectors and providers, it's our job to now then educate our patients that that's fine. We can actually, we can get more longevity from your neurotoxin. We can get a longer lasting treatment. You just have to get more product, which means it's more expensive. And that's obviously a huge barrier for most, um, you know, there's a reason why we don't give double the doses a lot of times. And some people just frankly don't want to be that frozen for that long. And it's just, it's all a bigger conversation. So those are kind of my two things. All right. Love this question. What do you feed your kids? You guys seem healthy. So yeah, my kids are pretty good eaters for the most part. Um, I've got one that will pretty much eat anything you put in front of her. The other one's a little bit more picky, but I think in the grand scheme of things, she does pretty well. Um, you know, we, one thing that I do, I, I make dinner and I just, I don't make two dinners. I learned that from my mom growing up and it was, you don't have to eat this, but this is what's for dinner. And if they, I mean, every once in a blue moon, they just will absolutely not eat what I've cooked. And it's usually like my on me, it's usually like way too spicy or, wasn't it the other day? I like jacked up this recipe. Oh. And one time I made this recipe that my friend Sarah sent me and I thought it looked amazing. It was the salmon with like a mango salsa and they were appalled, which they love salmon. So I'm like, Oh, you guys are going to love it. They, they were just, they were not having it at all. I keep their snacks pretty normal. I mean, I have a big snack drawer in my pantry. That's got goldfish pretzels. Um, you know, but also like protein bars, um, those little pouches, veggie fruit and veggie pouches, they eat a ton of fruit. Um, if I, if they've had a snack and they say that they're still he- hungry, I'm like, okay, then you can have any fruit you want. And I keep a ton of fruit in our house, grapes, apples, bananas, all the berries all the time. My God, they eat so many berries. It's like jacking up our grocery bill. So unlimited fruit, honestly, and then I just, I, that's what I do. I just don't make two two dinners at night. And then for their lunches, sometimes our older one will get lunch at school. And I just, I, I try to be kind of chill about it. I really do because I think everything that we're reading and seeing right now is showing us that the more we control what our kids are eating, we, when your kids can eat, you know, a quote unquote normal diet, this is not talking about kids that might have to, you know, juvenile type one diabetes or, you know, any sort of food or texture issues. Like I'm, I'm just talking about kids that have, you know, no, no restrictions, but the more restrictions we place on them, the weirder and worse their relationship is with food when they get older. And I mean, it, it just is what it is. They mind have a dessert every night after dinner. The only time they don't get dessert is if they just eat absolutely nothing on their plate. You know, we have, have, they have to eat a little bit. They have to try everything. So they have to take one bite. If it's a new thing, they have to try it. Um, and sometimes they're really shocked at what they like. So I don't know if that's helpful at all. Supplements and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now. So how do we know what to choose in a brand? My family personally uses Thorn. Thorn has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country, including the Mayo Clinic and Charleston's own Medical University of South Carolina. You can order any Thorn product through me when you create your account at thorn.com/use/dabbleco, and you'll receive 15% off and free shipping on all your future orders. When you create your account, you will just be prompted to confirm Dabbleco as your referral and the discounts applied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash u, like the letter u, slash Dabbleco. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. Okay, next question. Hysterical. Why do you hate Botox so much? Okay, this is so funny. I... I I guess I'm giving the impression that I hate Botox. That's really funny. So first of all, I don't hate Botox. It's the mother of, you know, my favorite children. And Botox paved the way for the other neurotoxins. So I could never hate it. I will say this. The company that makes Botox, Allergan, which is now owned by AbbVie, is exceptionally difficult to work with. I'm just being very honest. And the product is more expensive than it should be for literally no reason. Botox, Javot, and Dysport, the other three neurotoxins all have these accessory binding proteins. And so the reason I preach about Xeomin so much is because of this. Botox, Dysport, and Javot have an eight to 10% chance of having you form antibodies to these neurotoxins. And once you form antibodies, the products don't work anymore that is obviously very distressing to a person who is getting neurotoxin for cosmetic reasons. And then all of a sudden it just doesn't work anymore. So I explained to my patients that I would choose Xeomin for them, or I do choose Xeomin for them because it doesn't have accessory binding proteins. And so the chance of it having you form antibodies or the, the antigenicity is very low, and the chance of you forming antibodies is almost nothing. So why, in my opinion, would you use a product that and the, and they all four, honestly, they, they all four have similar, if not identical results. You know, I mean, there's some very subtle differences between them, but you can you can use them all almost interchangeably most of the time. And so I just feel why would I use one that could cause issues in the future if I don't have to? And that's, that's just my take on it, you know, and that's my personal take. I know plenty of people that use the other neurotoxins in their practices. Um, my second choice probably would be Disport. I just like the way that it kicks in and, and spreads. The molecule sizes are different in all these um, products as well. But we um, we use a lot of ZMN in our practice, and that's what I use. And and I listen, I also can't get more than eight weeks from any of the neurotoxins. So kind of going back to that longer-lasting one, I'm really excited to try it myself because – I am a person who might be a great candidate for it, um, knowing that I just don't get very much longevity out of my neurotoxin. Okay, next question: How do you balance motherhood, working, etc.? I mean, I don't. So, I saw this quote from Shonda Rhimes recently, and I was like, God, this is so validating because she's obviously like extremely famous and has all the help in the world, and probably has a thousand percent control over her schedule and every meeting. And people are like, you know, falling all over themselves to work with her, but she also has kids and she was speaking at a graduation and she basically said, listen, I don't balance it when I'm crushing it in my career. Like my family is suffering when I'm, you know, spending time with my family and killing it there. Then my career is suffering and it's just so true. There is there is no balance. Whatever it is that you're doing, the other thing in your life has to be put aside for a minute a day, you know, hours a week, whatever whatever that looks like. And you know, it's it's hard. I think I would be remiss to not say like how incredibly difficult it is. I mean, this week in particular, the last honestly the last couple of weeks one of my kids had Strep and had super high fever and was home for like five days, and I kind of had to cancel, you know, everything that I was doing. We have a a babysitter who, you know, is very prone to strep and is not trying to catch it, and I totally understand that. You know, if it was flu or COVID or anything else, I would, I, I mean, I totally get it. It's different when you've got you know just like the normal funk and you kind of can't avoid it, but yeah, so I had to, you know, put my whole you know, the whole life on hold and cancel work and patients and meetings and, and all of that for several days. And then once she was uh, able to go back to school, I had to hustle, you know, to kind of jam everything that I had to put aside into these other days. And so it is it's really hard balancing motherhood and working and friendships and exercise and all of that is very, very difficult. Um and I do, you know, I do have good help, but it's, it's still, it's still just a lot, it's a lot emotionally. And, you know, I will say this too. I think that being a stay at home mom is so much harder than being a working mom. I, I just, I have to say that. And I'm not, that's not to say that being a working mom is not difficult, but I get a break, you know, I get a break because I work and I have childcare there are days when I leave the house and I don't see my kids until, you know, dinner time or bedtime. And that may sound like weird, like, oh, what do you, you know, you get a break from that. But like, I have the utmost respect for women or men who are at home with little kids all day. It's exhausting. It is emotionally exhausting. And so I don't know, balancing. I mean, probably no one's balancing it, you know, right. Maybe there's someone that thinks that they have a great balance. And I would love to hear that. I mean, I I mean, I do, I have a good balance. I just don't want to ever give the impression that it's like, everybody's talking about work-life balance right now. Like, what is that? Is that even really a thing? Like, I don't know. It's, but it's very hard. Uh, Okay. Next question. What kind of workouts do you do? Let me also just say this. I saw a TikTok about this the other day as well, which is where I now currently get all of my information is TikTok. But and it was a mom hack that was like, if you like basically for stay at home moms, and if you need childcare, but like, you know, you can't afford it or can't pay for it and you need a break, like find a gym that has childcare. And let me say, I could not agree with that more if my life depended on it. When we first moved to Nashville and had no babysitters and the kids weren't in school and it was the middle of March and it was so random. And I, the only break that I got was when I would go to the gym. And I could get two hours of childcare every day. So I'd like work out for an hour and then, and they would hang for an hour and I would just chill. And that was my break from the kids. Okay. But now what kind of workouts do I do? So I have started doing less and less cardio and more and more lifting weights. So I think, you know, as we age and as women, as we age, it's so important for not just your bone health, but to keep up your metabolism to build that muscle. And so many women think they need to do cardio, cardio, cardio to lose weight and then and tone. But really when you're toning, you are building muscle. You're in the muscle hypertrophy phase. You want bigger muscles. And so many women are afraid of getting bulky and looking bulky and like, listen, it is really difficult for women to look bulky from a muscular standpoint. We just, we don't have as much testosterone, not even on the same hemisphere of testosterone as men do. We're not built with as much muscle mass. I mean, it's, it's just kind of a physiologic fact that in order for a woman to look bulky from muscle and working out, I mean, you would have to be just crushing it all day, every day to, to look like that. So lots of weight training right now. My old, one of my old trainers, um, and friends from Charleston, Nellie Rusher Clark, I actually called her last week and I was like, listen, I'm spending go to the gym for like an hour every day. And yes, I lift a lot of weights. I do very little cardio and I'm, I'm toned, but I just said, "I, I know I could be doing better. Like I need to be doing something differently. And my first undergraduate degree is in health and human performance. So I've I mean, I'm comfortable in the gym and I have a little bit of that knowledge, but it's just not, you know, my wheelhouse really anymore. And so Nellie has made me this plan and she has like Monday through Friday and how many sets and how many reps of each thing that I have to do. Oh my gosh. I did it. Let's see. Today's a Friday and I can't do it today just because I have a filler training thing all day. And so I'll do it on Saturday, but I did Monday through Thursday, Monday, I Monday and Tuesday. I was like, I'm going to throw up like, like this is a lot, but I swear it, I can already tell a difference just in like my general muscle tone. So it's really crazy when you're working out correctly, what your body can do. So I do mostly weights, a little bit of cardio, but very little collagen powder. This is our next question. Collagen powder myth or no, um, myth. I'm not sure what the myth is, but collagen powder. Here's what I tell my patients. Collagen powder is absolutely fine. It certainly will not hurt you. I don't recommend collagen powder until someone's on a good routine to start with. So there is very limited data on collagen powder. There, there is a little bit that it may add to the skin's appearance being more moisturized. There's some data in the orthopedic world. So I think we're going to continue to see more good data. I, I mean, I could be totally wrong for right now. It certainly doesn't hurt. And I will also say, as I'm doing more weight training workouts, I, I know that I need more protein. And I noticed the other day when I do my collagen powder, there's 18 grams of protein in it. That's a lot. Also, I don't know how to turn off my Microsoft Teams notifications. God bless America. Oh, I guess I could just mute my computer. There we go. So sorry for the beeping. I am real illiterate when it comes to technology. Okay, so eighteen grams of protein. That that's a lot. That is the equivalent of four eggs. Um, So I'm back on the collagen train, not just for collagen itself, but for protein. Is it like the best protein powder? No. I mean, it's, there are others that are better and higher protein content probably better complete proteins, but that being said, it certainly will not hurt you. And it does have other benefits. Um, and it's a pretty low, lower calorie thing to do. So yeah, why not? Um, I also recommend if you're gonna do that, that you get it from like a Costco or a Sam's, not like just the regular grocery store. I wouldn't buy a celebrity collagen powder. I can't tell you about liquid collagen if it's any different or not. I have no idea. People ask me all the time. I'm like, I've yet to see any, I don't have any reason why it would be different. I don't know, Um, but yeah, I'll back on the collagen powder train. I like a collagen powder. Okay, somebody asked, why do I do a whole 30 every January? Oh my gosh. Okay. So by the time December is over, I feel disgusting. So I don't really hold, I don't really hold back in December. I have no self-control. Is there a Christmas cookie? Sure. I'll have one, maybe two. Is there a holiday cocktail? Yes. absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. I'll have that as well. You know, all the meals, all the everything. And I, I love it. And I have such a good time and, you know, making things with my kids and hot cocoa and Christmas parties and all of it. And I don't really want to miss out on any of that, but at the same time, by the time the end of December comes, I I literally, I just feel so disgusting. Like I feel bloated and okay. The premise of whole 30, which, you know, take it or leave it. Like it's, I'm not out here trying to get you guys to like, join me. It's not a, a pyramid scheme and I'm at the top. Like, so whole 30, the premise is it's, it's an elimination diet and I don't even know if I agree with a lot of things that they say. So no corn, no soy, no dairy, no alcohol, no added sugars, no artificial sweeteners, no basically, you know, preservatives, like the xanthan gum and guar gum, which is honestly, it's a lot harder to do than you think. No beans or legumes. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. No, yes, you can have fruit. Um, So essentially you can, you're safe if it's, fruits and vegetables, most vegetables, and then like high, high quality um, meat and then just no added sugar anywhere. So even if you think, you know, oh, I'll put ketchup on this chicken. Well, the ketchup has like corn syrup in it. So that's a no. And do I think ketchup with corn syrup is inherently bad for you? Like, no, I, I really don't. However, when you're in this for me, when I'm I'm in this place of like having a really strict boundary and rules, then it honestly forces me to think about everything that I can eat. Because I think what happens to me is that this is hard. Like Whole30 is hard. It's really freaking hard because you get no there's no ease Nothing's easy. So nothing is just like pick up a package and go almost nothing. I mean, you can have like a Lara bar and a meat stick, but which God bless the new Primal <laughs> Meat Sticks. They live in my purse in my car and are essentially like sustain my life during a whole 30. So, but yeah, nothing's easy. So if you want, you know, you want breakfast, okay, you gotta, you gotta make it. It's like fresh fruits, maybe vegetables scrambled with eggs or, you know, like a chicken sausage that's compliant that doesn't have, um, you know, any added sugar in it. There's all these things that you just don't realize how much sugar you're, you're adding, you know, no grains, no rice, all of that kind of stuff. So you just really can't have anything that's like a quick fix. So it's super high in protein, but also super high in fiber, dietary fiber, because you're eating so many fruits and vegetables. And and so it just, it makes me feel awesome. Like I just feel my body feels so good when I'm doing whole 30 now, is it sustainable for reality in life? no, absolutely not. Like for that month, I'm really buckled down. We don't really go out to eat much. Um, I actually broke it last night. We went, we did go out to eat and I had a drink and I'm like, you know what? I felt like ass today. Like I felt feel bad. And I normally would have two drinks and I didn't even finish my second drink. And I just feel like I'm like instant regrets. Um, sometimes I'm like, maybe I should just quit drinking. I don't know. So yeah, I just, I just love it. And I love so many of the recipes that we found I carry into the rest of the year because they're just good. They're good. They're fresh. They're super healthy. They put vegetables in places where I would never have thought to put vegetables. I mean, I made these meatballs last night that had or two nights ago that the, the base is, yeah, it's, it's ground beef, but then instead of putting in bread crumbs, you make this cashew and, um, basil, like almost like a pesto mixture. And it's just like, it, that is so good. Now, was it harder than just throwing breadcrumbs cum- in there? Yeah, because I have to get out my food processor and do all that. So like, it's not sustainable all year. I can't do that all the time. But we've loved that recipe. And I do make it, you know, probably once a month. So you guys know, I only bring you companies that I personally use and love. And I've been using the buffalo sauce, and the no soy teriyaki from Noble made recently. It is next level, clean, convenient. Everybody just loves it, our entire family. So their whole lineup of sauces and seasonings sits at the intersection of convenience and better for you. So this means you can feel good about getting your food to the table quicker without compromising taste and also knowing you're putting super high quality ingredients in front of your friends and family. I love the buffalo sauce. It comes in mild, medium, and hot. I can only handle the mild, maybe the medium. So super versatile. You can use it as a ready-to-go, a dressing, a dip, or even a marinade. And you can find them almost everywhere. Seriously, Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Publix, also on Amazon. But if you go on their website, you can use code DabbleCo20 for 20% off on their website, which is thenewprimal.com. And that's DabbleCo20, 20% off on their website. Okay, because sort of in the same vein, how do you balance the conversation with patients about body positivity when you're trying to talk to them about BMI and obesity? Oh my God, this is so freaking difficult. It's so hard. And I'm probably, I I don't have to have this conversation really anymore because now that I'm in aesthetics, I, I mean, there's no reason for me to be having this conversation with my patients unless they ask me about it. In which case, sure, I'm happy to talk about it. But I can talk about it from a standpoint of, when I was in um, a cancer practice for a long, 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 long time, um, two different cancer practices for almost 10 years. And then also in that practice was, we did a lot of general ENT, I did a lot of sleep medicine. So a lot of sleep apnea and a huge thing in sleep apnea, the diagnosis, the treatment, all of that is BMI and weight. And is BMI a perfect indicator of someone's health or even a good indicator of someone's health? Absolutely not. Of course it's not. Now, is it the quickest, easiest way for us to bring up bring things up sometimes yes and can it be an indicator yes it's it still can I mean I saw the other day someone commented something it's like it's such a worthless tool I'm like it's actually it's not worthless it's just not the best and like we know that and it and we leaned too heavily on it for a little while and it's you know not always indicative of someone's health however when they're in your office to talk about sleep apnea which is a huge part of that is someone's weight because of literally because of the way that the positions that you sleep in, and if you have extra weight, it quite literally is laying on top of your airway. And in some cases actually crushing the airway so that they can't breathe at night. Like I can't do my job effectively and not talk to that person about weight. So I think, I think it's up to providers to really educate themselves on one, the way that we talk to patients and how it might affect them you know being sensitive really only bringing it up when it would affect their health so for example if someone if one of your patients has diabetes or prediabetes or hypertension it is my opinion and i think most people's medical opinion that it you're you're potentially in like a malpractice situation if you just put them on a medication and don't talk to them about their weight That is not treating the patient appropriately to just put them on medication and act like their weight isn't playing a role because it is extra adipose tissue. We know carries risks. We know that for a fact that carries extra cancer risks. We know it's a huge part of cardiovascular disease, hypertension, like I said, sleep apnea before. So it is it's really difficult. Um, Now, that being said, it doesn't need to be the center of every conversation. And we absolutely need to do a better job of of talking to our patients about it in a way that takes the emotion out of it. So um, one of my guests previously, Risha Mittal, she is an obesity medicine physician. And I love the way that she phrases it. She says, you know, we have to take the emotion out of it and just speak in facts like the medical facts are this you are at risk for xyz and i and i need to to tell you that but it doesn't have to be the center of every conversation and i also know it certainly is something that gets sort of used as an excuse by medical providers a lot of like oh they have this well they're overweight you know and either so we're not going to treat it or we're going to treat it differently like fully everybody needs to be fully aware of the issues that come with that um Yeah. And I I think body positivity is, is honestly a different conversation. I think that's more from a societal standpoint and a societal standards of beauty. And it, it really shouldn't be the same conversation as BMI and obesity from a medical standpoint. Like, I honestly think those could be two separate conversations. I could be totally wrong, but that's just my, kind of take on it right now what I'm what I'm watching culturally and then you know the medical community, I think they're almost two different conversations, but we're lumping them into the same. And now what's happening is because we want body positivity as a society, which I totally agree with, we're being told as medical providers that we can't talk to our patients about very real legitimate health risks that they have. So it's really tough. It's I'm I'm glad you asked this question because it's really hard. Um Okay. Where, this is my last question. I like to end on a funny note. Where has Tilly been? Bless her heart. Um, so I, you know, I used to post more about Tilly and Tilly was here and just like funny things that my kids were doing. And I honestly, I am trying to post my kids now as little as possible. I feel like, Everything that I'm seeing now, and it's not necessarily that I'm worried that like China is going to steal their facial recognition and like do something with that. I don't know. I mean, that's probably already happened. But really a lot of things that I'm seeing and reading are pointing to, you know, kids getting older and really not being cool with what we as parents put out there into the interwebs for other people to consume and things that you know, you and I as a parent or a consumer of social media may think are really innocent and just not that big of a deal. And like, oh, it's funny to show their little personalities. And like every now and then I I do, but really just moving more towards keeping their lives private, you know, certainly keeping their medical stuff private. I'm happy to give generalizations about them. Like I'm talking about their eating and stuff that's going on. And But I'm really moving away from really talking about the kids like in in specifics and i think it's something that we could all stand to kind of think about and just think about what we're sharing and you know are are my kids going to be cool with that in 5 or 10 years and there are a lot of kids now that are turning 18 19 20 that you know grew up with kind of the first mom bloggers or family vloggers youtubers all of that that really feel a lot of resentment towards their parents for the amount of their life that was used as content. And so, I don't know. I'm just trying to be really, really cognizant of that these days and just be a little bit more um, aware, not saying, you know, I'm never going to put my kids out there and I do have a private account. That's essentially my kids, but yeah, just, just be more careful. So Tilly um, is still here. So is Evie. They're very much um, running the show at our house and you may or may not see them every now and then, and, and that's where they are. But, thank, I mean, thanks for caring and asking about them, and they're both still really funny and fun kids. Just You just probably aren't going to see them as much anymore. Gosh, I was supposed to end in a funny one. I don't know that that was that funny or good or <laughs> or, or lighthearted, but here we are. Oh man. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if you like this episode, please share and rate it and make sure you subscribe, um, and send it to your friends because that's how I continue to get good guests. I have some really good guests coming up, including uh, a disability influencer. Didn't know that existed. Super excited to talk to her. I have got an endocrinologist coming on to talk about a super jazzed about that um ozempic is all over the place right now so if you have any other people that you'd like to see on the show shoot me a message on instagram or send me an email thedabbleco at gmail.com and thanks so much see you next week